2: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
3: From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning
2: weekly podcast
3: dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered.
4: Welcome back to the program. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum with you today. And so is our guest, Adam Burke, sports betting analyst. Adam's in studio. Adam, how are you? Good. Long time no see. I know. You run the (laughs) program yesterday. Uh, You were so good. We wanted you back here today. Thank you. It's a Uh, ringing endorsement. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. I mean, the insight, right, Josh? The insight that Adam has is uh, we can't measure it. So uh, lucky to have him in studio. Absolutely, and Adam, I always
5: love having you. And by the way, I'm lobbying behind the scenes, the scenes to make you a part of this show every single day. So if anyone's listening, that's that's what I'm working on. But Adam, I want to throw some games at you real quick. One that I have an eye on: Cleveland Browns. Uh, I know you're a Cleveland guy. I'm on the Cleveland Browns over win total ten and a half. But what's your take on this week one game? You know, I keep referencing this really great, great tweet from John Ewing, our buddy at Betmgm. When you are a Super Bowl loser the next year in Week One, these teams uh, since 1996 only eight and thirteen straight up. 4 and 17 ATS. So they're not covering and they're really not winning. I'm looking at a, a dog play here on the Cleveland Browns. They're getting six. A lot of these books open minus six. Everyone's taking the Chiefs yet. Books really don't want to go to six and a half. Tells me kind of a line freeze. They don't want to hand out the hook there. How do you diagnose this game? Are you waiting for a six and a half? Would you grab the points here or just any leans overall in this big matchup?
6: Yeah, you know, I think it's a really interesting week one game here for a variety of different reasons. And You know, look, I mean, it's so tough, Pritch in week one. And I think Mm -hmm. you know this too. We don't know exactly what we're going to get from these teams. You know, you don't know if you're going to get the playoff hangover. You don't know if all the free agent acquisitions are going to wind up playing out the way that you expect them to. So I have been treading pretty lightly overall in week one. And it's one of those things where I'm kind of trying to find some teams that maybe aren't front and center for everybody. And then just trying to find some of those games that are off the beaten path, where Mm -hmm. I think maybe there is a mispricing, maybe there's some uncertainty about how that team is going to play. So, you know, for me specifically, I'm not exactly looking at that game, but it is a game that I think is of great interest for a lot of people out there and one that could set the tone for the rest of the season.
4: Right. Uh, And to Josh's point, uh, the information, you try to find an angle if you can. And and certainly if there is a Super Bowl hangover, uh, there could be an angle there that people might want to lean on or, or gravitate towards. Uh, but you know, Josh, we were we were talking about, or Adam, we were Josh and I were talking about the Cleveland Browns earlier in the program uh, in regards to can can you really back the Browns now? You being uh, out there in Cleveland for a long time, and uh, you know what's what's the mindset of the Browns? Can they can they handle the lofty expectations that uh, have been thrusted upon them right now? Well, and I think that's the big question.
6: And and especially when you've got a marquee game like this right out of the mm-hmm. gate, where when you look at this number, honestly, you can see that there's a lot more respect for the chiefs than there is for the Browns. Right. But when you look at what's happened from a future standpoint, or just in terms of all the headlines, the buzz, the hype, so on and so forth, you would think that the Browns would be a shorter underdog in mm-hmm. this spot, but it turns out that they're not. Look, I think that what the Browns have done this off season is that they've sort of positioned themselves to where they feel like their chief competition is a team like Kansas City okay. is a team like Buffalo as right. opposed to you know Pittsburgh's kind of falling off a little bit Baltimore's kind of falling off maybe a little bit here so i think if the browns This is sort of the litmus test for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're going to find out very, very quickly on Sunday if they're able to live up to that expectation you talked about.
4: Yeah, you know what, Josh, too, you know, when you think about it, the matchup, the revenge angle, if there could be one for the Browns, uh, you've had all offseason to think about this matchup against the Chiefs and and certainly you're healthy, too. And and that's uh, from a mindset standpoint, Josh, you would rather play the Chiefs uh, the first game of the year, fully healthy, 100% healthy, uh, and have that best chance of winning that game.
5: Yeah, I totally agree with you, Pritch. And again, we got to go back to that big playoff game. Remember, that was the game where Patrick Mahomes got hurt. It was mm-hmm. 22-17. I was loving that because I was on the uh, I was on the Browns there, and they're I think they're like plus. Eight something like that. Everyone's like, "Oh, you only covered because Mahomes got hurt." Maybe that's so, but hey, sometimes you bet on a team, and your guy gets hurt. That's all part of betting. But right. I like this revenge angle, Pritch. And the other thing is, you know, system match-wise, looking at not just this, you know, Super Bowl hangover team week one next year, they really struggle. But also these big dogs. When you're looking at these dogs, six points or more, mm-hmm. and really, I'm holding out for the hook. If you can find a six and a half, to me, uh, the fact that they don't want to go there, even though it's heavily heavy betting uh, with with Kansas City, tells me the odds makers, they, they're showing some respect in one way to the Browns. They don't want to hand out the hook. But again, you're six or more, six and a half or more, you're around 57% ATS than week one spot. And I think when you're betting these games, you got to think in your head, how am I going to cover this number? I think it's running the ball. The run That running game is crucial here. Right. You know, keeping the ball away from Patrick Mahomes, playing better defense. Browns loaded up on a lot of defensive guys in the draft and in free agency. I think that's your, that's your play here if you're going to bet the Browns in the points.
4: Yeah, great information right there. It's betting across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, one of your hosts, live from Las Vegas, your other host on the East Coast, Josh. Applebaum is in Boston and with us in studio Adam Burke sports betting analyst Adam uh, the football season I don't know how it's going to start I mean it's a great unknown week one a lot of times uh, we get preseason games maybe to perhaps gauge it Uh, but coaches have gone down the path in terms of okay I don't want to play my starters I want to make sure that they're healthy Uh, so I'll give up execution uh, perfection At the beginning of the year, knowing or relying on the fact that a lot of these guys, professional athletes, will catch up uh, and will be okay sooner than later. Do you approach betting the same way? I mean, the coaches are thinking that way. They're telling us that. Uh, I'm apprehensive because I think it takes away some of the nuance of the game that can really help teams. And therefore, as a better uh, uh, in game or or certainly before the game, I'm going to be trying to exploit those situations.
6: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty
4: coming into any season.
6: There's a lot of uncertainty coming into any week, frankly. And that's why live betting has been such an attractive thing, because Mm -hmm. you get to see what's happening. You know, it's not just sort of taking all the information, putting it all together, making your best guess. You can actually watch the game. And that's something you and I actually talked about off air after our segment yesterday uh, was that. You know, I figure for you, having played, having been an analyst, you know, in the booth for so long and all of that, that live betting would be really good for you. And I think going into week one, where, as you said, there are a lot of these first team units that have not played together at all, including Mm -hmm. some of the new quarterbacks. And so I think that live betting in week one, while live betting is always important, I think in week one, it is extremely important and maybe even your best course of action.
4: Josh, do you think uh, Sharps have accounted for uh, that situation from preseason to regular season?
5: Yes, yeah, so I think it's kind of a learning curve for everyone. I, I, I would say with Sharps, they're really dependent on their own numbers, what they've set, what their power ratings are, obviously comparing that to the books. But I think you guys bring up a great point. You know, back in the day it was, Hey, you can bet the the full game odds and maybe you get a first half and that's pretty much it. But live betting has revolutionized everything because Mm -hmm. it gives you the opportunity. And to me, if you're live betting, you gotta be watching the games. I don't think you should ever live bet. If you're looking at a box score, you're just looking at the score. The whole point with live betting is if you know a sport and you know the intricacies and you can put your finger on the pulse of what's going on and seeing adjustments or injuries or things like that, that's where you can make some money with live betting. Uh, The other thing with live betting though is, you got to be very disciplined. I've seen a lot of people get in trouble right. live betting where, you know, I'm hanging out with my buddies and uh, they know I work in the sports betting industry. They're just, they just want to have fun. They live bet every play after, you know, they have a million live bets going on where maybe you cap the whole, the full game odds perfectly and you win that bet, but you live line both sides a million times and you kind of throw away your win. So I think if you can be disciplined consistent, if you see a situation where, you know, maybe they're shooting the lights out in a basketball game, but they're kind of getting lucky and it's going way over. Maybe you can buy low on a live line under that sort of thing. But again, live line, a lot of opportunities here. It's hard for the books to adjust Mm -hmm. sometimes, uh, but looking for extreme situations buy low, sell high to me is where live lining can be profitable.
4: Well, to pull back the curtain on the conversation, Adam Burke and I had after the show yesterday, uh, it is in regards to, for instance, the Rams Uh, McVay has not played as starters. He's going with the formula that was successful for him. Uh, when it got to the Super Bowl. But he's got a new quarterback now, though. And uh, how do you have the nuance for that new quarterback? So, for instance, Matthew Stafford, uh, in practice, he's going to set up in a pocket, three-step, five-step, drop, play action, whatever. And so as offensive lineman, I, okay, I kind of get a feel for that. And now you got game speed. As an offensive lineman, I don't know if I'm going to have a sense or a feel for where Matthew Stafford's going to set up in a pocket. And, by the way, i got to block Khalil Mack. Uh, Right, So as an offensive lineman, I have my own tendency sheet. Uh, And then you have Matthew Stafford, who he's either going to slow his uh, drop or speed up his drop to try to time up the route with a receiver. But he wasn't able to do that in preseason. So I think those nuances right there will be on full display or lack of nuance could be on full display in this game.
6: Yeah. and, And something else, too. You know, Josh kind of alluded to it with that Browns and Chiefs game, hoping to get a six and a half, trying to get a little bit of a better number out there in the market. Look, I think the Rams win this game. Right. I think in spite of what we've talked about here, some of the concerns that we have, I think they still win. Okay. And as I said on yesterday's show, I think that the Rams are a really good teaser candidate and taking them down to minus one and a half. If you think that the Rams are going to play well, you may get a better number than seven and a half as this game's going along. Mm-hmm. If things are a little bit disjointed to start out, maybe you find a minus three, a minus three and a half live, something like that, that gives you a little bit more margin for error, gives you the chance to let this team settle in. So really, I think, as I said, I think in week one, that's critically important. You can do that any week of the season. But for the reasons that we've been discussing here, it's not a bad idea because laying seven and a half is kind of scary in week one when you haven't seen the first team offense play together.
5: Adam, I'm right there with you. And I think one of the classic ways, live lining, you're not reinventing the wheel, but uh, a favorite gets down early. You know, this, my basketball analogy would be uh, when it was Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and I know it's a different sport, but when they were winning all those NBA championships, they would routinely get down by, you know, five, 10 points in the first quarter. And now you're getting them at a way better live line, money line opportunity or with the points or whatever it may be. So to me, that's an easy one. Also, with totals, maybe fluky things happen. Uh, maybe you can kind of buy low, sell high on a total that's super inflated or deflated or Maybe it's a high total for a game. They don't score any points really in the first half. Getting that second half over, I think there's value there. Uh, but, Adam, let's get to some of the games that you're looking at this weekend. I want to ask you about the Jets-Carolina total here because i've seen some money to the over i think you had uh one of the lowest totals on the board for week one it was like 43 now it's up to around 44 44 and a half looks like there's some over money coming in one system i have is when it's really hot out uh it's a college system for me it's an nfl system for me when it's 80 degrees or hotter line rises a half point the over is about 54 percent. not crazy but it is profitable it's going to be a hot day one o'clock in carolina there about 85 degrees so what's your take on this total are you looking over with the jets and the Panthers?
6: Yeah, this is one where I do agree with the money that we've seen going in on the over. And and that's a good angle you bring up about the heat. I mean, you know, that's something that does happen in the South, obviously, here in September. And of course, you know, in August, when you get those college football games, a few different things I like about this. I mean, first of all, you talk about playoff revenge. You talk about some of the revenge angles that are out there. Sam Darnold's got a pretty interesting one here against his former team in the Jets. Obviously, new coaching staff for New York, but Darnold has a ton of weapons to work with here in Carolina, not to mention the the Joe Brady offense, which I think should be really, really good for him. But look, you've got a healthy Christian McCaffrey. You've got guys like DJ Moore. You've got Terrace Marshall. You've got Robbie Anderson. These are guys that... You know, for the most part, I mean, he did have Anderson with the Jets, but he never had a Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) You know, he got Matt Forte later on after Matt Forte wasn't nearly as effective as he previously was. So I think Sam Darnold's got the opportunity to put up some points here, have a pretty good showing. I don't love the Panthers defense. I think Zach Wilson's got some players to work with as well. And I think for the Jets, they're going to want to see what Zach Wilson can do at multiple junctures throughout the season because they're not playing for a playoff spot or anything like that they're playing for his development. Yeah. They're playing to see what he can actually do here in this offense and in this system. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for points in this game. These were two teams that were in the bottom 10 and missed tackles last year. These are two teams that gave up a lot of completions. The sticks should be moving. It may come down to red zone efficiency, mm-hmm. but I think we get the yardage that we need and the opportunities that we need for this game to go over. We just have to hope those skill guys make plays in the red zone.
4: Yeah. I mean, confidence is everything in a national football league. you got, uh, Sam Darnold who was not confident he's seen ghosts up there in New York uh, and now he's fully confident with the new co- coordinator and Brady and then also Christian McCaffrey I mean this guy was wonders did wonders at Stanford and certainly uh, Darnold was familiar with that how about this one Eagles uh, and the Falcons we were talking about the Falcons perhaps on paper could be pretty explosive this year uh, which situation do you like in this game
6: Yeah, as you said, I mean, you look at the Falcons. I think Art Smith is a really good fit for this team. I think Art Smith is a good fit with a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill's career really rebounded very nicely in Tennessee Mm -hmm. with Art Smith. So I do like that part of the equation here. And look, you've got two coordinators I think should be very good in the red zone. You know, Art Smith with Tennessee, they were first and second in red zone efficiency over the last two seasons. And you've got the Colts, who are or Sirianni, who was with the Colts. Yeah, they were 18th last year, but they were top 10 the two previous years, including a year where Jacoby Brissett was the primary quarterback right. for the Colts. So you've got two pretty good red zone play callers here. I think that's a really important angle in this game. Also, Look, I think that Jalen Hurts should do okay in Philadelphia with this Sirianni scheme. It's going to have a lot of similarities to Frank Reich. It's not going to be a whole lot different from what the Eagles have previously had. So I think that that's something where Jalen Hurts probably going to walk into a fairly decent situation as the unquestioned starter now. So this is another one. I think we get the yards. I think we get the ball movement. I think we've got a good chance at red zone efficiency here. So I'm going to get the over in that game between the Eagles and the Falcons.
5: Adam, i'm right there with you i think the market backs you up this thing opened 47 it's up to 48 the other angle here is you know domes uh, obviously it's baked into the cake the odds makers know this they're going to set these lines with all this stuff in mind but uh, in a dome you do see more offense a slick track uh you know easier to kind of get going on offense harder on defense to, to catch up here so i'm with you on that over between jalen hurts and uh, and matt ryan here but uh i want to ask Real you quickly if,
6: you know, i uh, want to interject yeah. for a second because i want to ask pritch about something yeah. I was kind of thinking about this angle in this game mm-hmm. with a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts, right. a guy that can improvise. So early on in the season as a defense, as you're trying to get into the rhythm of the season and all of that, you're kind of worried about your assignment, You know, making sure that you're playing the scheme correctly. Mm-hmm. Is it harder early in the season to defend these mobile quarterbacks that can improvise?
4: Yes, uh, there's really not a game plan that a defense can have to stop a, a mobile quarterback. Um, uh, most of the times for defenses, it's a guessing game but you're trying to guess correctly by creating situations. For instance, second and 10 or third and long. Like If we can, as a defense, create situations like that, then that takes away some of the weapons or some of the options there offensively. Uh, And so depending on Hurts and his talent and his skill set, uh, I think as a defense, you can kind of come up with a game plan that way. But if you're specifically trying to come up with a game plan to take away the run from a quarterback, you're 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 not going to be successful at all. So uh, it's a big guessing game for defenses. The way defenses guess correctly, though, is by creating situations. Bill Belichick talks about that all the time: situational football.
6: No, I was just wondering because I think that may be a little bit of an angle here too, where Hurts mm-hmm. can do some creative things, yep. extend plays. You know uh, josh already talked about you know not that this game is outside right. but you know defenses will get tired mm-hmm. and if you're chasing a quarterback around that's that's no fun in week one
5: i'm right there with you adam the other one uh, you talk about mobile quarterbacks hard to defend looking at totals that rise arizona at tennessee that thing ticked up i think it was 51 opener mm-hmm. now 52 Kyler murray uh you know obviously uh, you know a mobile quarterback High flying offense there with Tennessee. Also, that's going to be an outdoor game where it's going to be hot out. So you're checking off a few boxes there. Uh, Adam, wanted to real quick get your take on tomorrow's game, uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay. I'm noticing we're going to eight and a half with a lot of these books. Maybe that was a little bit of respect here for Chris Godwin, who we thought he was going to play, but it was kind of up in the air. We got uh, finally some official news that he's full participant, good to go here. I'm seeing eight, eight and a halfs now pop here. Adam, uh, what's your take on this one? The totals 51 and a half, 52. Obviously, lines moving here, big to Tampa Bay opening minus six and a half. Is there any value to laying this number at this point? I would argue, no, you've missed the best of it. Any reason to maybe buy low on the Cowboys, or are you just going to kind of stick with your teaser there, which I think is a great idea. uh, Minus eight down to minus two.
6: Yeah. I mean, there, there will be millions of teasers that have the Buccaneers in them this week. The (laughs) books will be rooting very, very hard for Dallas to find some way uh, to win this game and kind of bust up those teasers look, I couldn't take Dallas here. I mean, everything that we talked about earlier in the, in the previous bit about the Rams and about Stafford and all of that, I have no idea what Dak Prescott looks like in this game. I, I have no clue. And this is not the kind of defense that you want to return against Tampa Bay is very good. They get a lot of pressure with that front four. They don't have to throw exotic blitzes at you if they don't want to. So this is a really bad matchup for a guy like Prescott coming off of such a major injury. That being said. Again, you may get a live opportunity here where maybe Prescott looks better than expected or maybe Tampa Bay scores first very quickly. All of a sudden, you're getting double digits with the Cowboys. Maybe that's something you can kind of revisit. But in terms of a pre-flop play on Dallas, not a chance for me.
4: Yeah, you know, week one is always the great unknown. We talk about that often. But after week one, and I think that's what's happening in college football a little bit, week one to week two, Josh and Adam. uh, And Adam brought this up yesterday, box score study. Mm Mm-hmm. So I want to focus on that because that piqued my interest big time uh, when you said that yesterday, box score study. So what categories would you highlight for bettors uh, to zoom uh, zoom in on and, and focus on in terms of box score study?
6: I think box score study is critically important because a lot of times the, the betting markets will be slaves to the final score. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the final score says, it's going to you're going to get the imp, the implication that the game played out a certain way. That's not always the case. You know, one of my favorite plays this week in college football is Tulsa. Tulsa almost outgained UC Davis by three yards per play. They lost that game because they were minus three in turnovers and had 12 penalties. So that's a situation where Tulsa was clearly the better team. They just fell on the wrong side of turnover luck. So turnover margin is a big one to look at from a box score standpoint. Yards per play, very important as well. You kind of got to read into the game state a little bit. You know, if a team's running the ball because they have a big lead late, maybe the yards per play differential won't be as big as it could have been. But yards per play, you know, if there's a big penalty discrepancy, third down conversion rate is a big one. If you stay on the field, you wear out that defense. That's a really good thing. But if that's something you haven't been doing in your previous games, Maybe that's something you don't expect to happen in the next one. So I think looking through the box score, looking through the play-by-play, kind of seeing the distance of the scoring drives, Okay. You know, because an 80-yard scoring drive is a lot more impressive than a 22-yard scoring drive. Mm-hmm. So Rutgers scored 61 points. They plus plus five in turnovers. They didn't have a scoring drive over 65 yards. They had several under 20 yards. So those are things I think are really important because you can find mispricings in the betting market as a result.
5: I'm right there with you, Adam. You know, someone told me a long time ago, recreate box scores. And it kind of, uh, you feel like, oh, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it if you put the time and effort, because there are a lot of times where a score doesn't often reflect exactly what went on. Like your point, I think was perfect. Like team scores a million points in a game, you know, were they a juggernaut offensively or did they have a lot of turnovers and maybe kind of weird fluky things happen? I think that's something that all better should take into account. Look at the box scores, recreate them, use it to your advantage. Real quick, Adam, I want to throw a baseball game at you. Cincinnati and Chicago Cubs, I think you had to play maybe, maybe on this total. Total looks like winds blowing in a little bit at Wrigley field. Uh, I do have an under on here, Chad Fairchild total right now is nine. Are you looking at the under uh, with the reds and the Cubs today? I am
6: looking at the under. Thanks for the note on the umpire. It's actually one that I didn't look at for that one, but th- these are two guys and Vladimir Gutierrez and Alec Mills that don't really walk a whole lot of people. These are two offenses that over the last, month or so have struck out a ton specifically Chicago they've got far and away the highest K percentage in baseball Gutierrez is not a big strikeout guy but the Reds do have a lot of strikeout relievers so I don't think we get a lot of balls in play in this game not a lot of quality contact you mentioned the wind blowing in a little bit under nine the way to look in that Reds and Cubs matchup
4: Josh, uh, we're not letting Adam leave the studio. <laughs> he is staying right there in that chair because we got more to talk to uh, when it comes to betting with the great Adam Burke here in studio with us. Uh, that's coming up next right here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. you hire great people fast according to talent nest indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined visit indeed.com credit welcome back to the program it's betting across america mike pritchard josh applebaum your host with you today and so is adam burke a sports betting analyst he's in studio with us uh and giving us and dropping some nuggets big time uh, josh uh so we get this market information from betmgm um uh, Maybe there's some insights. Maybe there, there 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 are not insights here on this one. Something that you can follow or not. But uh, most bet overs, uh, according to BetMGM, they highlight the Lions, uh, the over uh, five. That that win total has changed, right, Josh? And then the <laughs> <It> Titans, has <laughs> yeah the Titans over at nine. You know, I,
6: I don't know. I don't know how I could bet the lions over. I I just, I really don't. And it's funny too, because for those that are able to see the screen here, the lions most bet over and and most bet under. (laughs) And and I feel like to me, a lot of that under money is probably coming from Michigan because as a Browns fan, I I've seen years of futility. I mean, they're finally good now, which is great, Mm -hmm. but you, you have that pessimistic outlook. It's your team. And you're like, well, we're playing for the number one overall pick. You know, so I, that's a really fascinating one to see both sides taking so much action for the lions. I could see both sides taking a lot of action for a big name team, mm-hmm. but not the lions. <laughs> Josh, what do you think?
5: I'm right there with you. Something's fishy about this. Maybe it has something to do with Michigan, you know, legalizing betting recently and maybe big money. Maybe Kid Rock put a big bet. He got a little inebriated. He bet the, both the under and the over. I don't know. There's something going on there. Something weird. Maybe our guy Patrick Maher has some insight there with, with his hometown team. But uh, Adam, I want to ask you about the most bet under teams. I love all three of these. Actually, I had kind of an alternate bet on the, uh, the Lions under four and a half. You can find an alternate line. I think you can get like plus 120 on that. I think it's going to be a long year for Campbell and the the, the biting in the kneecappers over there. Uh, Also, Bengals under six and a half. Jaguars under six and a half. Fade rookie, coach rookie, quarterback. Adam, if I threw these three top uh, under bets to you, Lions under, Bengals under, Jaguars under, which one are you most confident in or are you maybe going the other way with some of these? I would say probably the Bengals under six and a half. You
6: know, one of the things I I think you really have to make a starting point, and it's a little bit more difficult to do in the NFL than it is in some of the other sports, but you look at the division matchups, you know, you're playing Baltimore twice. You're Mm -hmm. playing Cleveland twice. You're playing Pittsburgh twice, and I'm not really high on Pittsburgh this season, but I know that Pittsburgh's better than Cincinnati, you know, even with Ben kind of in the state that he's in. So those are six games out of the 17 that are really important for the Bengals with regards to trying to find seven wins on their schedule. And they go what? Maybe two and four at best in those games? Probably one and five. I would assume that they lose both games to the Browns and the Ravens, would be my guess. Maybe split with Pittsburgh, something like that. So if you take six of the 17 games and they're going one and five, where do the other six wins come from? Mm. You know, so th- that's kind of the starting point for me when I look at these NFL win totals is understanding that you're playing everybody within your division twice, obviously home and away. And you've got to at least probably break even in those games to really have a good shot at going over your win total. And I don't think the Bengals can do that.
4: Yeah. Their head coach, uh, Zach Taylor's on a hot seat too. Um, Nagy is on the hot seat uh, with the bears. Fangio is mm-hmm. on the hot seat, but yet there's optimism for him. So from a betting perspective, how do you handle those scenarios?
6: Yeah, I think that's tricky. And, and especially in the position that the Broncos are in, because, mm-hmm. I mean, look again, same thing I just talked about. You got two with the Raiders, right? You probably split those. A lot of people really like the chargers here. A lot of people like Brandon Staley there and feel like Justin Herbert can really progress now right. without being held back by Anthony Lynn and you play the chiefs twice. So, you know, for me, I think it's kind of hard to wrap my head around the Broncos getting to that point, not to mention, you know, as we are getting into week one here, the Broncos have been a really good team in week one and week two at home because they've got that altitude advantage. This year, they don't get that. You know, teams are going to be kind of more into the rhythms of the season by week three. Mm -hmm. I don't really get the rationale behind the Broncos over eight and a half. To be honest with you,
5: Adam, let me throw another one at you. I know you're an aficionado when it comes to the uh, the AFC North here. So, what's your take on the Ravens? This was a team that had kind of a big move with their win total. It was only half game, but again, any half game move is notable depending on what side you're on. So, Ravens open at 11, they're down to 10 and a half, it's juiced up over 10 and a half like minus 150, something like that. Would you be intrigued by buying low now on the Ravens over 10 and a half? Now you can get uh kind of the hook down down a bit. They go 11 and 6. Now you cash this bet. What do you think of that move there with the uh with the Ravens? I agree
6: with this move down on the Ravens. I know there's kind of a narrative out there that maybe the league's figured out Lamar Jackson. I don't know if that's true. But Baltimore's schedule is brutal. I mean, they've got probably the toughest schedule in the NFL, if not the second toughest. So I think that the line moved down on the under here is primarily because
4: of the strength of schedule that they have. Okay, there he goes. Adam Burke, uh, outstanding analysis here on the program. Get ready for a big weekend. Week one in National yes, Football sir. League in Vegas. This place changes. I know. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, Adam Burke, again, uh, outstanding uh, sports betting analyst here on the program. When we continue... We're going to get to the grind. Major League Baseball is coming up next. Friday's episode of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod comes from the turf meet at historic Kentucky Downs. Longtime racing writer and publicist Jeannie Rees talks about this weekend's Breeders Cup qualifiers from the National Horse Players Championship. Carl Broberg discusses his passions of horse training and betting. Johnny Avello of DraftKings Sportsbook's I uh, handicaps uh weekend races. Subscribe now at iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or download it Friday morning at vCN.com slash podcast. Ron Flatter Racing Pod is sponsored by First Bet. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum with you. So Josh, it's time for the grind. Here we go. Major League Baseball. You said you were grinding it. Uh so Always. Here, yep, here we go. <laughs> Cannot wait to hear these plays or or or, or opinions from you, certainly, because uh, I'm still involved with baseball but I'm curious about your thoughts on on some of these games for sure. Uh, so let's start with the Twins and in the Indians.
5: Yeah. So first one, Pritch, I got some gross, sharp line moves for us. You. So you're, I think you're going to enjoy this segment right here, but okay. I'm going Minnesota in this one, Pritch to me, this is kind of a gambler's fallacy type play. You know, you've seen Minnesota win the first two games of this series. They beat Cleveland five to two, blanked them again yesterday, three, nothing. And this is a play where, uh, with McKenzie on the bump, young stud pitcher here for the Indians, uh, going up against Joe Ryan, kind of a, a journeyman guy, young player that people don't really know much about. Mm-hmm. You have heavy betting here on Cleveland at home. I think the thought process is, Hey, they got a better record. They lost the first two they have to bounce back and win here today what i like here is going back to the well with a, a team that hits much better much higher batting average here with the twins you saw a lot of these openers with cleveland around minus 135 at home they're getting three out of four bets everybody's pounding cleveland you look at the board and say give me an easy win i think cleveland it might be a play that people are looking at However, even though they're getting all the support, they open minus 135. they're down to minus 125. This would match to me as kind of a buy low sharp reverse line move on a road division dog with Minnesota here. It also doesn't hurt that with Minnesota, uh, they're nine and five against Cleveland this year, much better hitting team. Uh, I'm going to keep riding the hot hand. I don't think you can bet on what you expect to happen or what should happen. Or if you're at the roulette uh, wheel pitch and it's red two in a row, you say it's, oh, it's got to be black. No, every spin, every individual, every game when you're betting is an individual spin at the roulette wheel i'm going minnesota plus money here divisional dog on the road a little bit of line movement i'll be back in the twinkies in this one
4: okay look forward to that um also i, I like these prices in some of these games too uh, that we're about to talk about so you got detroit uh and the pirates uh again the only reason to watch is if you have a bet right i mean uh it's the pirates at home minus 124 Nine's the total
5: Yeah, Pritch. Remember that old graphic stuff. You might have to dust this up. The hazmat play. This is a hazmat play on the the pirates. It is. I'm laying a minus number with the Pirates. I, I really hate myself, Pritch. I'll be honest with you, but <laughs> I like this play. To me, this is a really sharp line move. You know, you've seen the Pirates win the first two games of the series. Mm-hmm. They won 6-3. to three. They won 3-2 to two again yesterday. Kind of the same situation where public number one, they don't want to bet this game at all because it's so disgusting, but if they're going to bet it, they're saying you're serious? You know, Detroit's got a better record. I'm getting a little plus money with the Tigers. Give me the Tigers here, but no. Good move here toward Pittsburgh. I think a little bit of an advantage with a veteran like Keller going up against Manning, who was a high pick, but really has struggled a little bit at the big league level you saw pittsburgh open minus 110 very very short home favorite almost like a pick-em number slightly that minus 110 toward the pirates pirates are steamed up all the way to minus 125 bridge so let me ask you who wakes up when football's in the air and says i gotta bet the pirates Only wise guys who have an edge on this game. So give me the Pirates. Uh, I'll be sweating the Pirates tonight, Pritch.
4: Can you believe it? Yeah, I can believe it. (laughs) I can. (laughs) Um, So Keller, this veteran, you know, he's 4-10. and and He's got a 6.23 ERA, right? Oh, man, it's been, it almost makes me like it more, Pritch, when okay. you throw stuff at me like that, because <laughs> if
5: they're getting a line move in their favor and everyone knows this guy's ERA is 6.23, I guess on the one hand, Manning, is ERA is like 6.29, mm-hmm. but I kind of like that. It looks so gross, but yet the line's going in their favor. I'm going to put Faith in this kind of fade the trendy dog line move. I'm going Buckos in this one. Okay,
4: here we go with a good one. Um, I, I think uh, the Mets and the Marlins, uh, what are you seeing in this matchup? I'm seeing a really sharp line move on the fish here, Pritch. So I think
5: with with uh, the Mets, obviously, I don't know if uh, their owner, Steve Cohen, is, is going to tweet something to them if they lose this one tonight. But this is a pick 'em game, Pritch. How on earth are the Mets only a pick 'em against the Marlins? They have a far better record, uh, way more players who are, are recognizable, and the public wants to get behind. However, this thing actually opened with Rich Hill on the bump against Alcantara. I think this is an advantage for Miami with Alcantara, who's been pretty good this year. You know, his numbers aren't crazy, uh, but he's 8-13, and bad losing record, but 3.3 ERAs. He really is the ace of this team. What I like is this opener was Mets actually like minus 125. I saw an opener minus 130 everybody's betting the Mets, yet this thing is all the way down to a pick them. So obviously if you're, if you're going with the line move, you're not getting the best payout here with the Marlins. I think, you know, pros really targeted, Miami, like, you know, plus 115, plus 110, some kind of plus money number there. But this one stinks to me. If everyone's on the Mets mm-hmm. saying they'll roll against the lowly fish here today, Pritch, why is this down to a pick them after it opened Mets like minus 125, minus 130? That'll be divisional dog, sharp reverse line move. I'm going to go with that move. I like the Marlins here. Again, I don't, I, if you, if you ask me on the street, Pritch, I bump into you and you say, Do you like Minnesota? Do you like Pittsburgh? Do you like Miami tonight? I would say, no, I don't like them, but they're sharp moves. And more often than not, sharp moves aren't going to win every time, but they're going to win a majority of the time. So that's why I'm going to be with Miami tonight.
4: Okay, Mets about four games back of Atlanta in that division uh, moving forward. Okay, how about the Reds and the Cubs? The Reds need a victory big time. Uh, What are you seeing in this one?
5: They really do. And I think Adam Burke hit the nail on the head. I I lean that under with him. You know, it's a little bit of wind blowing in there at Wrigley Field. And we have seen uh, some unders between these two teams recently. But I like this uh, money line play with the uh, with the Cubs. This is another really sharp move that jumped out to me. Kind of like those games we just mentioned. Cubs are kind of in the same spot. Uh, that like Pittsburgh and Miami are in where this game actually opened with Cincinnati. Uh, This opener, I had to double check a few times, it opened like minus 140 with the Reds here. So it's all the way down to minus 110. That's about a 30 cent move here on the Cubs who open, you know, plus 130. Now they're down to even money. Again, you're not getting the best of it. You're not getting the best number. You could say, hey, you are buying low on the Reds now. You're getting a much better number, but why are you getting a better number? To me, this matches is uh, kind of a classic spot here. The Cubs, who had a seven-game win streak until they lost yesterday, and that was a 4-3 game. They were in that game. Uh, everyone's been Cincinnati, yet this line is tanking, mm-hmm. plummeting to the Cubbies here at home. I'll go Cubbies, divisional dog high total, line move in their favor, very contrarian. I like this play here with the Cubs. Try to get any kind of plus money, plus 102, plus 103, anything you can find. I like Chicago with that line move. And
4: then the Dodgers, uh, minus 125, eight and a half to the total against the Cards.
5: Yeah, I think on principle, you know, riding the Dodgers, riding the Giants, riding the Rays late down the stretch. These are teams that uh, really are motivated to continue to win, whether they're solidifying a playoff spot or like the Dodgers. You got to keep winning because there's no days off. You still have to catch the Giants here. This game opened, uh, I think it was like actually like minus 105. Very short favorite here for the Dodgers. We're waiting on the pitcher. Uh, It's going to be white as the opener here for the Dodgers. I'm going to ride the Dodgers once again, Pritch. They're they're all the way up to minus 125. Good sharp line move. Non-division road favorite. I'll go Dodgers in this So
4: we have a pitcher confirmed in in this one.
5: Yeah, White. I'm not sure who that is. Maybe it's Walter White. I don't know. He he he, uh, he broke through for breaking bad. Yeah,
4: you know, plus 224 run differential on the season two for the Dodgers. uh, Minus 125. That's attractive right there. Uh, More betting across America when we continue. That's coming up next.
1: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
7: From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple.
4: Get your payout before the game's out with BetMGM. Place a money line wager on any Thursday night football game, and if your team is up by 10 or more points at halftime, you win. This is a full payout for only half the game, no matter what happens the rest of the way. Simply go to your BetMGM account and opt in each week to the Thursday night halftime payout promotion. Want to keep things rolling? Try BetMGM's extensive live betting options in the third quarter or use your winnings to place a one-game parlay on Sunday. New to BetMGM? Download the app and see how you can turn halftime into cash time. Make a Moneyline bet on Thursday night, and if your team is up by 10 or more, you'll win at the half. Only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Opt-in required. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21. Please gamble responsibly. If you feel you have a problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the program. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum, with you today. And so, Josh, uh, finishing up uh, games that are attractive here on the Major League Baseball schedule. The White Sox and the A's go at it. Uh, the White Sox, the dog here, plus one fifteen. Nine's the total.
5: Yeah, I'm looking at riding the White Sox again, Pritch. This was a play yesterday we talked mm-hmm. about that came through. Saw a pretty sharp blind move here to Chicago. Uh, they end up winning six to three, plus one seventeen. Dog. And they opened like plus 125, something like that. So I'm gonna go back to all the White Sox. You know, one system that I lean on late in the year is uh, I got to find a better name for it, Pritch. It's kind of like my late season good team getting plus money as a dog. I know it's kind of a mouthful <laughs> here, but if you if you have a win percentage of 550 or better and you're a dog, mm-hmm. uh, it becomes a value play to ride these good teams when they have good payouts. So uh, that system this year, uh, it's so far it's 29 and 35, so it's only a 45% win rate. But because of the plus money payouts, your ROI is about 4%. So it's kind of worthwhile. Uh, I think this line is just too high. This is Montas against Dallas Keuchel, and it looked like this game open. It was like minus 160, at one point got up to minus 170. If you're giving me the Chicago White Sox with this good team late season system match as a dog, I think they're like plus 155 right now. I would expect this thing to maybe come back down a little bit. And the thing that I'm banking on is this lineup for Chicago, Pritch. They actually... Are getting uh, Luis Robert, their young stud center mm-hmm. fielder who was out much of the year. He's now hitting leadoff. You're having you know Robert, Mancata, Abreu, Eloy Jimenez. I really like uh, this juggernaut kind of murderers row offensive lineup here for the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox rating 255 this year, fifth best in baseball. Oakland 236. 22nd. Oakland's really struggled uh, as of late. This line's just too high for me. I think there's a lot of value. I'm going to be sweating the Southsiders here at a pretty good payout, like, you know, plus plus one fifty-five yeah. here across the market.
4: How about that too? That's a nice, uh, 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 I think that's a nice play right there, Josh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously, because you know, you're looking at the white Sox. Uh, they're up 11 in that division right now too. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're just, I think they're priming themselves for the postseason.
5: I think so too, Pritch. And again, you know, I got to admit there was a little bit of a move here to the Athletics. They were like, I think like -160 up to -170, but sometimes, you know, you got to put your faith in uh what you feel comfortable mm-hmm. with. You know, system matches to me, and it, it, to me it's a kind of situation like if you're going to give me these big plus money payouts with a team that's playing better and has a better offense, to me it's a worthwhile bet. It's just hard to lay that big number with the A's who have really struggled here as of late.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh getting to college football though, uh some plays we've talked about uh Important games, uh, big matchups too. Iowa, Iowa State, that's a big matchup here, Josh. Are you interested in making a bet right now on this game? I am. I'm going to walk the
5: tightrope here, try to get a better number. But Pritch, we were talking about this game yesterday. This is the most heavily bet game of that Saturday slate and everybody's betting Iowa. This is kind of the ultimate as a contrarian. These games really, really excite me because it's a primetime spot, most heavily bet spot of the day thus far. And everyone's taking Iowa. That creates a lot of value on Iowa State. And typically public is always, uh, you know, really heavy on a favorite. They don't really load up on dogs too often, so they become a trendy dog, which I like to go against. So I'm looking at this spot here, and I don't blame the public if you want to take Iowa on the points because they looked really good against Indiana. They rolled them 34-6. to Three and a half point favorite easily cover that number. Iowa really struggled there against Northern Iowa, barely beat them 16 to 10 as a 28 and a half point favorite. But here's the thing, Pritch everyone's loading up on Iowa. Mm-hmm. And we did yesterday's show, uh, Iowa State the Cyclones, they were minus three and a half up to minus four. And I said, Hey, the next move is big because everyone's betting Iowa. You expect this thing to come back down. It crept up further to minus four and a half. That's notable to me. I think it may come back down. Okay. I'm going to wait for a minus four here. But I like Iowa State, really contrarian favorite in a heavily bet game, fade the trendy dog opportunity. And also, uh, one system I like is when you have two ranked teams going head to head, the favorite is actually uh, oftentimes a smarter bet. Over the last decade, two ranked teams take the favorite. It's about 57% ATS. So that's kind of a, as a, as a gross contrarian like me, Prech. Everyone's saying you got to take Iowa in the points. Right, I like that this line moves going to the Cyclones. I'll sweat the Cyclones. Here. Okay,
4: the emotion of college football. We saw that play out uh, in a lot of games, a number of games. In week one, uh, Virginia Tech ambushed UNC like I thought it could happen. Uh, but then you got the week of practice now, uh, you got tape. You got preparation, but I still think you have home field advantage. So a nice little nugget right there from you, Josh, in terms of that game. Uh, Iowa State at home in that in-state rivalry situation between those two schools. How about this game? Uh, Ohio State, who went into adverse situations and still came out on top uh, against Minnesota. They're at home, laying 14. They laid 14 last week, too. Uh, But they're laying 14 against Oregon, who comes to town, uh, 63 and a half the total.
5: Yeah, so, Pritch, I didn't have a huge play really either way on the spread. You know, public's all over Ohio State. Looks like it may not just be public. You know, some of these books, I think, open like 13.5 now up to like, I see Mm 14.5 now. I see a 15. This line is going toward. Ohio State, yeah, it's kind of a big mover here, Pritch. Um, Contrarian spot with Oregon, inflated line opportunity, but uh, to me, it's kind of natural movement. Maybe both Pro and Joe toward Ohio State. My play on this one, Pritch, is I like the under. This reminds me a lot uh, of that Louisville uh, Ole Miss under where it was heavy betting over, it was a high total, everyone's taking the over, but yet the total stayed the same or even fell. So with this one, Pritch, open around 64, it's down to 63 and a half. That's notable to me. You can say, hey, it's only a half point. Who cares? What's the big deal? Well, it's a big deal because everyone's betting the over, yet the line fell. That's kind of a reverse line move, sharp underplay. Same thing we saw with that that old miss game where it got a little dicey in the in the fourth quarter there, but came through for you. Uh, so I like this situation here when you're a total of 60 or higher and it falls at least a half point, you're around 53% to the under. Nothing crazy, but it is profitable. And the other element here, Pritch, is it's a windy day mm-hmm. uh, with this o- Ohio State Buckeye Stadium. It's about it's gonna be about 75 degrees, okay. but uh, wind about 10 to 12 miles an hour. Little bit of wind, sharp under, everyone betting over, yet it's fallen a half point. If you can still find a 64, I'd be looking at under 64 there with the Oregon-Ohio State
4: game. Yeah, remember the uh, Pac-12 North up for grabs, the Pac-12 Conference really up for grabs. And so you had Washington lose, you saw Cal lose, and uh, that Pac-12 North division, Oregon's in it. Uh, and, and then they struggled against Fresno State a little bit at home.
5: Yeah, they really did, Pritch. And again, these are the, kind of things you got to look at. And I think this is also kind of overreaction week, mm-hmm. uh, you know, based on what you saw in week one, because I think, you know, when you're, when you're betting your these openers, and I think Attenberg was totally right, a lot of volatility, unpredictability, you get to week two, the public's like, hey, I know what you look like based on your week one performance. But if you look good, the public will want to bet you. If you look bad, they want to fade you. But that creates kind of, um, you know, kind of market inefficiencies where you're kind of overvaluing a team look good, undervaluing a team look bad. I like to kind of buy low on those bad teams, uh, which is kind of in that situation with Ohio State state where they won, but didn't cover. But I think it's really, really important. We'll get to overreaction week in the NFL week too. Right. We're already a week ahead here with, with college. And I think that's uh, that's really important looking at um, what happened last week, but not overvaluing it too much and walking yourself into maybe a bad, a bad yeah, spot.
4: Not a lot of variety in college football. They run the same thing uh, the spread offenses. I mean, it's all over the place. It's athletes and coaches. Uh, so look for those angles for sure. How about South Carolina uh, and East Carolina? What are you seeing in this one?
5: Yeah, Perch just caught my eye. You know, and again, I made the joke earlier at the top of the show. It's like that puzzle you shake where it's really unclear and now it's starting to clear up a little bit. I like the, the Gamecocks here with South Carolina. Okay. So my guy Patrick Maher, he, if he's listening, he's a South Carolina alum. This is what fits one of my favorite systems in college football, mm-hmm. dog to fave line move. This actually opened up with East Carolina at home, a two-point favorite. It's now flipped to South Carolina, minus one and a half. I see some shops that are even at two. So that tells me, you know, even though it opened with East Carolina a slight favorite, that, that dog to fave is kind of a classic spot to me that I like to play. We've seen a lot of those uh, throughout the preseason in the NFL. Sometimes you see it in, in college uh, basketball as well. But I like this spot to me following that smart money. And again, you're what I like early in the week with college football Pritch is these moves are really meaningful because the public doesn't really bet these college football games until Friday, Saturday. It's they're kind of late to the party. They got, you know, they're working, they're in school, you know, people are busy pros to me hit these games early because they're comparing what they have to the books. Right. So the fact that, you know, South Carolina was getting two and then, you know, a one, a pick them. All that big money on South Carolina has now pushed them to a favorite when they open as a dog. So I'm not going to lay the tune out at this point. I like to go money line in these spots, just win the game, Uh, minus 125 South Carolina, dog to fave system match.
4: Could that line, does it look like it's going to still move or – have, have, it's hard to tell. Okay. I,
5: I would assume maybe some buyback Just yeah. Anytime you move so big toward one end, I could, I could maybe see maybe some other sharps saying, Hey, now, now I can get East Carolina at plus one and a half when they open as minus two. Uh, but to me, the overall overarching thing, and we'll see how this develops. You and I'll be doing shows the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. Does it fall? Does it continue to rise? Maybe it comes back a bit, but really that move toward uh toward the game is is meaningful to me.
4: That's pretty embarrassing though. If you're South Carolina and you were a dog <laughs> against East Carolina, I don't care if you're home or on the road. I'm with you. <laughs> wow. Okay. Great uh, insight on that one right there. How about SDSU, San Diego State uh, University against Arizona? Uh, Arizona's minus two at home, 46 and a half a total.
5: Yeah, this was a low bet game pitch that I saw a notable move. And again, I kind of liken this to like niche markets where uh, not a lot of action yet, but the action is meaningful because it's coming from respected betters. Mm-hmm. I like this move toward Arizona. You know, they actually open this game at a pick 'em. So you're at home. Typically, you get three points home field advantage. You know, if it's a pick 'em at home, then technically neutral site. Maybe San Diego State is a favorite. But what's notable to me is it's kind of a little bit of betting on San Diego State. Yet Arizona went from a pick 'em to minus two, so that's kind of a classic play to me, almost kind of the reverse of that uh, that situation there with, with the Gamecocks. But with the Wildcats here again, a pick 'em to now minus two looks to me like the respected money is on Arizona here at home. I'd be looking at again another money line play, probably around minus one twenty five there with the Wildcats.
4: All right, great job today, Josh. Uh, we got a work cut out for us tomorrow. Not only getting ready for the game Thursday night football, but also making picks uh, in the National Football League up and down the board. We got to get after it.
5: I can't wait, Pritch. Tomorrow's game day, our first big NFL game day together. So uh, make sure you get your sleep tonight, Pritch. Big oh, day yeah. tomorrow.
4: I'm going to have my eye black on and everything. I'm ready to go, man. <laughs> uh, great job again. We'll see you back here on the program tomorrow. My guys in the desert come up next right here on VSEN, the Sports Ready Network.